We found that people dread a meeting when it's going to start late, when they don't know the purpose, when they're meeting with people they don't like, you know, things like that. But they don't look forward to a meeting really ever. Hello and welcome to Working It from the Financial Times. I'm Isabel Berwick. Is there anything worse than opening your calendar before work and just seeing nothing but back-to-back meetings? Dr Joe Allen, who you just heard there, sympathises. He should know. He's an academic who studies meetings and meeting culture. Yep, you heard right. A meetings expert. Such a person actually exists. And we'll hear more from Joe a little later. But first, if you're anything like me, too many meetings get in the way of proper work. They break up your flow. They stress you out even if they're with nice people. Well, Kaz Najatian, the chief operating officer of e-commerce giant Shopify, has come up with a pretty radical way of dealing with that. At the start of last year, Shopify launched a remorseless attack on meetings, drastically cutting back on gatherings and encouraging employees to meet less. I caught up with Kaz to find out why, and he did not mince his words. I don't think anyone grew up and said, when I'm an adult, I want to spend my entire life sitting in meetings. I don't think that's a thing any of us dreamt of. And one of the things we realized is that almost by accident, every company ends up spending all its time in meetings. And that's not okay. We want to have a company where people can come and do their life's work and almost no one's life work is done inside meetings. So we decided to change it. Yeah, and you called this policy chaos monkey. Could you tell us a bit about why and <laughs> how it works? Sure. So uh, chaos monkey is both the name of the policy and the software we wrote to uh, enforce it. It got rid of all recurring meetings that have more than three people undone. It blocked people's calendars on Wednesdays so they couldn't book meetings. And it also now tells you the cost of every meeting. So every calendar invite has a dollar sign next to it inside Shopify. We call it Chaos Monkey because we think chaos is a good thing. A little bit of chaos allows us to be deliberate about the type of company we want to have. That's really interesting. And how do you, do you calculate by number of people in the meeting or their salaries? What's the sort of measure? Yeah, we take the number of people in the meeting and the average salary for that type of job and show it. So a typical meeting that has three people in it and lasts 30 minutes costs anywhere from $700 to $1,600. At the start of the year, we removed 12,000 meetings from people's calendars. Just, just blanket, they just yeah. disappeared. Yeah, you show up to work on January 3rd and all the meetings uh, that were recurring meetings were gone. So your calendar was empty. We then asked people not to add any meetings back for two weeks and not to add any meetings at all on Wednesdays. We measured it a couple months ago and the first five months of the year, the average person has spent 14% fewer hours in meetings, which is great. Now, I think we can go further. But having people that has saved, you know, thousands upon thousands of hours of meeting time. Has there been a measurable change in productivity? Can you measure that? Yeah, we do. We actually measure productivity very closely at Shopify. So we're on track this year to ship 18% more projects by the end of the year. That is the same company, same people, fewer meetings, 18% more work got done. 
Wow. And did you get any pushback from employees or were they all for it? Most people came around to it relatively quickly because there's a real thing that happens in the world where most companies in the world, unfortunately, are built for the benefit and around the lives of managers and executives. And those people love meetings. But most crafters, most people who actually do the work, don't like meetings. So uh, the number of notes I've gotten from crafters at Shopify saying that their lives have measurably improved is not low. So what are the people doing instead of meetings? Are they doing actual work rather than performative work? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because meetings is cosplay of work, right? <laughs> yes. Nothing gets done in meetings. Meetings are a sign that a process failed. So you need to get together because you have to stop your work to do something else. And I'm not saying all meetings are bad, but we could all stand to have far, far fewer meetings. When the meetings that do happen, happen, have you cut down the number of people who are in those? Yeah. So one of the things we did was we changed the default answer to a meeting from a yes to a no. So when you get invited to a meeting at a regular company, you say yes if your calendar isn't full. If your calendar is open, you say yes. At Shopify, the answer should be no, unless you have a reason to be in that meeting. So we're finding that the average number of people in a meeting has gone down also because we show the cost of every meeting to everyone. So everyone knows every person you add costs an extra couple hundred dollars. So they are more mindful. Do you have any people who secretly do have meetings on Wednesdays, do you think? So uh, one of the things that has happened, especially on Wednesdays, is that folks block their entire day for GSD. Um, which is um, our internal software for how we get work done. It stands for get shit done. <laughs> and oh, we have noticed, I'm telling you, we have noticed that the average speed of projects getting done at Shopify has dramatically increased, especially on Wednesdays. Shopify's purge of meetings might sound extreme to some, but as Kaz says, it's had major results. Most managers won't be prepared to do what Shopify did, but that doesn't mean they can't improve the way they run meetings. So how can managers make meetings better? I spoke to a man with a highly unusual job to find out. Yeah, so I'm uh, Dr. Joe Allen. I'm a professor at the University of Utah, and I direct the Center for Meeting Effectiveness here. So I'm a meeting scientist, and so I study all things about meetings, why they work, why they don't work, and how we can make them better. So what are some of the behaviors that we should be practicing in our meetings? Well, it's, it's common sense that's just not commonly practiced, like showing up on time, um, having a, a purpose or an agenda to the meeting, making sure people know about it before they show up and you spring it upon them, right? It's making sure people have the opportunity to communicate in the meeting. It's about ending on time and ending well. So making sure you have action items. If something needs to be done, people know that who's supposed to do it and they're planning to follow up on it. It's, it's all very much common sense things. But the challenge, I think, for a lot of people is that we get used to what we've always done and we get a little lazy, which is not you know, necessarily a bad thing, but we've, we fail to do some of these very basic things and we know from research that if you have a bad meeting, it causes three more meetings. And so we complain about having so many meetings, and yet simple things would help us reduce the number of meetings we have and the bad experiences we sometimes have in them. 
So one thing that fascinates me is this idea that you put forward about the sound of successful meetings. So if I've understood it correctly, how participants talk can be predictive of successful meetings. Could you explain to the listeners what what that is exactly? It's interesting. It's it's a correlation. So I can't say that good sounding meetings uh, cause meetings to be better, but I can say that we found that meetings that are good sound different than meetings that are bad. The tone and pitch of the meeting actually matters. And we found that it's the variability. Like if it's all monotone, then not only is that boring for a lot of people, but it also actually makes it a less intriguing, less inspiring, less motivating meeting experience. And so how we communicate, the rise and fall of our voice and the variation that we see in in that tone, which usually means transitioning from one person to another, right? actually does seem to matter to making meetings more effective and more more satisfying. Is there any link between good meetings and organizational success? Have you been able to demonstrate that? Yeah. Meetings are at the center of the organization, right? So when you think about leadership and you think about decision making and you think about, you know, how to run your your organization, it wouldn't really exist without meetings. And so if you look at any organization that's doing well, they're probably meeting regularly. They're probably having meetings and they're probably meeting fairly well. Any organization that's doing poorly, you can probably see the challenges or the problems that they're, they're dealing with also in their meetings and they may or may not be dealing with them well. So essentially it's hard to disentangle the organization from the meeting because if you didn't come and interact together, would it be an organization? Probably not. Yeah, it's interesting because we spoke to Kaz Najatian earlier from Shopify. I'm sure you know they've sort of scrapped most meetings. They have, yes. What do you make of that approach? You have to be careful. I think what's happened is people are reacting to their explosion on their calendar. And one reaction would be to say, all right, we're just done with meetings and we're going to cancel them all, which I think is a Band-Aid on a very big wound, Because the issue is not that you have too many meetings. The issue is that you have too many bad meetings. And so my advice is actually to not necessarily cancel all meetings on Friday or do a no meeting Wednesday or to just cancel all internal meetings altogether. My advice is actually to say, let's take a moment to train our people on how to decide when to have a meeting as well as how to run an effective meeting. And within a few weeks, you'll see the number of meetings on your calendar start to reduce because the meetings they have are going to be more effective. And so you won't have to be in as many meetings to accomplish the same amount of work. Kaz called meetings a cosplay of work, you know, i.e. not work at all. Are meetings work? Well, 75% of managers' time is spent on meeting-related activities. So if it's not work, then why are we paying these people? Good question. How many organizations do you know that actually evaluate the effectiveness of meetings that hold people accountable, and it has an effect on their performance review. If we hold people accountable like that, you better believe they would change their behavior. But nobody does that. I go to a lot of meetings that start late. That's a real bugbear of mine. Does that impact them? Oh, gosh, yes. Quite a few years ago, on my dissertation, I I looked at all sorts of different things that should matter to how engaged an employee is at work when it comes to meetings. And one of the things I asked about was, meeting time courtesy and looking at, okay, do you start on time? Do you end on time? All that kind of thing. And it was the strongest indicator or strongest predictor of employee engagement. And so I spent quite a few years after, you know, working on that specific issue of meeting lateness because of that. And we found some interesting things. So for example, somewhere between zero and 10 minutes 
people start to get pretty angry with whoever's not showed up yet, right? But at zero to five, it doesn't bother us. But at zero to 10, it starts to bother us. And when, when you get to that point, it, it affects everyone's behavior. We found that meetings that started late because they were waiting for someone for longer than five minutes had many more, much more complaining, much more blaming, much more negative behaviors within the meeting than the same kind of meeting where it started on time. Wow. So you can arrive four minutes late and nothing happens, but five minutes and you've blown it. Yeah. Somewhere between five and 10, somewhere in there, people start to get really upset about it. And this is something I was surprised to learn is, is somewhat universal. Now, I can't say it's completely universal because I haven't tested you know, lateness in every culture all around the world. But at least in all the, all the countries that we've been able to collect data from, we have found that meeting lateness really makes the meeting inside the meeting worse and the outcomes of the meeting worse which we know are also tied to engagement and performance. Do you get a sense of how workers feel about meetings? Is it one size fits all or are some people enthusiastic and others not? (laughs) Yeah, so there's really two uh, answers to that question. One, several years ago, we asked a question to about a thousand people and said, hey, you know, what makes you look forward to a meeting and what makes you dread a meeting, right? And we found that people dread a meeting when it's going to start late, when they don't know the purpose, when it's, they're meeting with people they don't like, you know, things like that. But they don't look forward to a meeting really ever. <laughs> but with the things that they'd mention is that when they like the people in the meeting and when, when the meeting is, is short, you know, those are the kinds of things we found when they look forward to a meeting. However, we also asked a question across several different surveys. I think we're at like about 10,000 people now that have answered this question where we said, Think of your ideal day, ideal workday. How many meetings would you have in your ideal workday? And we had a drop-down menu, and it went from like zero to you know ten because we figured you can't have many more than ten meetings in a day. And if you do, then I'm I, I'm sorry for you. But the most common response was not zero; it was one, and that told me that even though people say. And it is culturally normative, not at only in our society, earth-wide normative, <laughs> as far as I can tell, to not like meetings. Everybody wants to have one every day, or at least a lot of people do. I am an unapologetic fan of the meeting. Even after talking to Joe and Kaz, I haven't changed my views, but what I have learned is to make every meeting count. That kind of rambly, not really much point to it meeting, which we're exceptionally good at in journalism, that's got to stop. And also turn up on time. I had no idea how important that is. So all the people out there who are power playing by arriving late for meetings, stop. But having said that, I thought Kaz was brilliant. Maybe more people will follow his example. I don't know, but I honestly don't think we're going to be seeing the end of the meeting anytime soon. With thanks to Joe Allen and Kaz Najatian. If you're an FT subscriber, please sign up to the Working It newsletter. We've got the best workplace and management stories from across the FT, plus the office therapy advice column. Sign up at ft.com forward slash newsletters. I've put a link in the show notes. This episode of Working It was produced by Misha Frankel-Duval and mixed by Simon Panay. Manuela Saragossa is the executive producer and Cheryl Brumley is the FT's global head of audio. Thanks for listening.